Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Irish people and, you know, Ireland has a gene that exempts it from being able to be racist because we have a history of racism with the UK. Because Irish people were classed as heathens, as barbaric, were written about in very crude ways in literature and in scientific journals, people assume that Irish people just can't be racist because how could we face colonialism and everything that those ethnic mm. minority groups are complaining about. But I think instead we need to flip our interpretation and see our history as something that mandates us to stand up and try our best to stand with those who are in need. Ireland as a place and as a community is constantly evolving. In this conversation, I was joined by Eric, who is heavily involved with Black and Irish, an organization that looks to create a better quality of life for the Black and Irish community here in Ireland. We chat about racism and what can be done to create more understanding and more tolerant communities. Thank you so much to all of you for listening, commenting, sharing, and the words of encouragement you're sending us as I put out these episodes. This podcast has a small but growing community of listeners, and the reason it's growing is because of all of you and your support. Incredibly grateful, and thank you so much for sticking with us. Now, here's my chat with Eric. Kind of unintentionally fell in love with doing it. Um, I know everybody's doing podcasts these days and there's literally podcasts coming out of the trees in front of your house. Um, So uh, unfortunately, I probably started at the totally wrong time, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I really just enjoy doing it, you know, that kind of way. And you know yourself, if you find something that you enjoy doing, I think you have to just follow it with everything that you have, even if it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be your, your career. But uh, I always I describe it to people. It's like my it's like my gar- gardening, you know. Uh, my mother always told me when I was a kid that it's like, oh, one day you're you're gonna enjoy gardening as well. I was like, I don't think I will, uh, and I and I still don't. If you could see the length of the grass outside the front front of the house right now, you would yeah. know that I don't yeah. enjoy gardening. So sitting back having a chat with interesting people is 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 my idea of gardening. Um, that's 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 where we're at. Um. Whereabouts are you at the moment? You're in Galway? Yeah, r- right now I'm in Galway. I'm actually permanently based in Longford because I finished my studies in Galway uh, in May. But I'm here right now just to see some friends. I'm in my 
former housemates' house. So just relaxing mm-hmm. here and taking a, a wee holiday, you could say, for the next couple of days. We have a massive Black and Irish event. Um, maybe we can get into it that we're organising for next Saturday. So that's really consumed a lot of our attention. So uh, in an attempt to break away from the stress of organising the event, I just said I'd go to go in for a couple of days to relax. Very good. And I want to talk to you about that in more detail a bit later. But I, I guess first I'd kind of want to get a bit of an idea about, about you first. Um, so you, you said you've just finished studying. So what were you studying? Yeah, I was doing law and business in the University of Galway. So uh, that was my law and business was my undergraduate degree. So I did that for four years from 2019 to 2023. It, it's essentially a three-year degree per, per se. Uh, plus one year of study abroad and I studied abroad in my third year of my undergraduate studies in Belgium I studied in Leuven Belgium uh, for the year which was a great experience yeah yeah Um, I I wouldn't so when I was thinking of doing inter or not internships in Erasmus when I was I I studied something called international relations um, (laughs) and my uh, qualification method or my way of analyzing where I wanted to study based on was based basically on where I thought I could have the most amount of fun and um, I decided in the end not to go probably for that reason as like I think I could go you know a little bit off the rails if I do this but it was Belgium a place that you chose or was it a place that just came up and you had no other choice good question my initial preference was Italy in fact actually that was my preference throughout the application process we could put down three universities that we wanted to go to and rank them in order of preference and Italy was number one Bologna specifically in Italy I have a friend in Italy Italy is a beautiful country I'm in love with the history never been and it's sunny constantly Uh, second place Mm. was then Belgium Leuven Belgium and I think I, I picked that place for academic reasons that were flagged by our lecturers so I thought it was a good one to put down as number two Though I was impressed by Belgium, the history and the center of the EU, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then number three, I can't recall. Uh, but those are the those those are the reasons why Belgium was on my list. And I didn't get Italy, but I think getting Belgium was certainly a blessing in disguise. Yeah, well, as you say, center of uh, of the European Parliament and all, and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those places that I've I've actually never I have been in Belgium. But I've never really had time there to enjoy it. A lot of people have said it's it's great, some really beautiful places there. Um, I wouldn't mind checking it out at some point. But at the same time, as you said, if you have time for two weeks in a year, maybe even less, it has to be somewhere a little bit, you know, a bit more southern European, nowhere they're going to Spain or Italy just to get a bit of sun. Um, I've never re I've been to Italy twice in my life, but once was on a school trip so I don't really count that um and the last time I I just absolutely loved it and, and really want to go back anytime I can it's just as you said the culture the history most importantly the food it's just uh it, it's on a different level you said yeah. you you said you grew up in in Longford yes for, proudly <laughs> a good man proudly uh, you know <laughs> I, I know a lot of um, stand-up comedians here in Dublin and unfortunately I have to admit that Longford is probably the butt of almost all of their yeah. jokes. We're used to um, it. We're used to it all right. <laughs> <laughs> How was that experience growing up there? It was definitely varied. I grew up in Longford, of course, in the town in particular, but I also 
throughout my experience in, in Ireland, and obviously this will be the case uh, for the rest of my life, I grew up someone who's African-Irish, so in the African community, specifically in, in Longford, and there's much to be said about the complexity of coming from an immigrant household where a particular ethnic, ethnic outlook, cultural outlook, maybe that's a more pertinent term to use, uh, is prevalent, and then going out into wide, wider society where a different cultural outlook is prevalent and dealing with the differences uh, as it pertains to um, the differing features of both outlooks. So that defined my upbringing in Longford to some extent. But besides that, I think growing up in Longford gave me a very unique paradigm that stands to me now as a university student and I think will stand to me as a professional. I grew up specifically in a working class environment in Longford. And I think being exposed to particular experiences and lives, particular perspectives and crudeness, and you, you reference stand-up comedy, the beauty of stand-up comedy, one of the many beauties, I know you had Sean or Yosa on your, on your show, I think it applies to him uh, in many ways too, is the authenticity and the courage to stand up and just, just speak to truth as you see it. No, no matter the academic criteria that you're desecrating, um, the, like, the nonchalant attitude towards scientific objectivity, you just want to speak to what you see and how you see it and people respect you and laugh at you for it. Growing up in Longford, it's only grown appreciation for this style stylistic approach to life um, and I'm forever grateful for it so Longford is great lots of great memories great people it's a tight-knit town to a certain extent there are problems and this is probably referenced in many jokes in terms of anti-social behavior and the like but I think if Ireland takes a second to look at the talent coming from the town and sports and music and so many different areas well we'll see that there's much to look out for from Longford town so I know mm. I know I promise you I'm not being paid I promise I'm not <laughs> <laughs> no, Prince, not paying me any money. Just coming from the heart. Just uh, trust. I trust me. I know that Longford isn't paying you. I don't think they're paying anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we, we can agree. <laughs> um, you spoke about essentially growing up within within a community at home, uh, within a community within your family, within the African Irish community there. Um, and obviously outside of that, you would have the different, let's say, whatever, Longford community or whatever you want to call that external community to what you grew up with at home versus to what you had in school, et cetera. Um, you speak to me in, a, in a, how it was transitioning from those two communities. So were there times that you felt like a certain... Not not dislike, but uh, uh, that you felt difficulty with one community or the other, and I imagine that that probably changed in your life. Like, were you ever in school thinking, you know, I wish I didn't have this kind of go back to this, you know, my home culture now or whatever it is, and then vice versa when you're at your home culture, I wish I didn't have to go into this other culture now, because that's really hard to do that. I imagine. Yeah, it was certainly difficult, uh, particularly difficult at times. At home, obviously, the Nigerian paradigm is what pervaded the household from food all the way to discourse and accents, dialect, um, and also how you identify particular social issues. Many immigrant households are actually quite relatively that I, Nigerian Irish households that I've been in have been rather socially conservative in terms of the principles that are upheld. And um, so going out mm -hmm. into wider the wider Longford community, it's not to say that, say, social conserv conservatism didn't pervade the environment I grew up in, because it did to a great extent. And it's something that I think is somewhat notable in certain working class areas. But uh, in terms of the attitude to life and the nonchalant attitude to particular questions, say like educational endeavor or work, 
people had that kind of live and let live, try your best, but it's okay if you don't say get an A in a test or it's okay if you don't land this particular job. When you, you come from an immigrant household, uh, depending on the dynamics of that household, I'm not going to generalize mine. It was all about, you know, making your stamp, you know, the world is again, it's like a me against the world attitude. My mom faced a lot of discrimination in terms of acquiring work. Once she got work, she faced a lot of discrimination on the job. She works in the healthcare sector. So she mm. trained me to think that the Ireland was kind of out to get you somewhat, not completely, but somewhat because of your skin color, because of the fact that you're an immigrant. So you have to work hard. So part of me took this militaristic combative attitude with me and then another part of me experienced great time with my friends from a diverse range of backgrounds that really clash with what my mother was telling me based on her experience furthermore than racism and discrimination that came from a lack of understanding and a lack of experience with people who are of african descent or black really i think confirmed a lot of the precepts that my mom instilled in me when i was younger um to my dismay because i didn't want that to be the case but it was but i think the beauty I emphasize this um, strongly of growing up in a community where it, it's again back to I know I don't want to make the theme of everything I say stand up comedy, but what I described earlier, where people are just real and, and honest and no one minces their terms and everyone speaks to their experience unapologetically because a lot of people say are struggling day to day jobs. Again, as I said, working class environment, people are very honest about what they're going through. With the racism, there was a type of honesty there that really exposed the fact that it came from ignorance so that when a lot of the young children who would call me, say, the N-word or other derogatory racial terms that I found traumatic for some time, they interacted with me um, in the homework club or in the football, my football team. I got to witness their perspective change because they were so true and honest to the moment that they were in in their lives. There was no lying about how they felt. It was a reflection of where they were at in life. So... I got to see people change for the better through interaction and through education and the like, just because I grew up in such an environment that truth was somewhat of a pervasive norm uh, and people were just honest to their detriment or to their betterment. So it, it really revealed me to the potential of education when it comes to changing social perspectives and the power of exposure in terms of allowing people to appreciate other people's common humanity, the common humanity that we all share as human beings. So there's much to be said for what I gained in terms of my social activism now and the way I try to advocate for particular ideas today uh, from my experience growing up in Longford Town. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for my upbringing in the town. How do you translate that experience into education, though? How, how can we, how can you educate people better to, to be more accepting and to be more tolerant? Yeah. So, so something I, I try my, my hardest to, to emphasize, Mark, is our common humanity. Um, I'm a part of my inspiration in this sense is Martin Luther King Jr. You know, he obviously gave the I Have a Dream speech that everyone dreams about and speaks about in real life. Uh, but apart from that, in a lot of his sermons and a lot of his writing, he talked about how, you know, the, the, the Ku Klux Klan members' failure. For those who don't know, the KKK Ku Klux Klan was like a racist organization that was hell-bent on exterminating the existence of African-Americans in the United States of America. Their determination to kind of disassociate with Black people in America, he saw that as their greatest sin, one of the greatest sin. It was an ideological sin because they failed to appreciate that they shared, they shared in the common cloth of humanity a thread with black people too and all human beings because we were all derived from the same source. If you're religious, you believe it's God. If you're an advocate of evolutionary biology, you believe it's our evolutionary origins. We're all interconnected in ways that we simply can't overlook. We bleed 
we bleed red as, as everybody says so i mm. think this principle really helped to guide me to see those who are racist are sinning insofar as they are failing to appreciate that i'm their brother so it's ignorance on their part uh and helping them realize their common humanity can change paradigms so back to the homework club and back to the football team but a lot of the people who were racist to me played in my football team and said eric pass or got to see me try hard at training or needed my help for maths homework as I needed their help for geography homework in the homework club. Then they got to see, you know, this guy's is very much like me. He plays FIFA, you know, he supports Man United, you know, and we share so much. Uh, uh, why, why would we, why would I hate him for something that's so arbitrary? Uh, so I think emphasizing this a lot in policy and in how we approach issues like racism, the educational aspect by way of exposure, uh, is something that we, we really need to advocate for and we can't lose. You seem to have, um, you know, transformed this quite traumatic experience, as you have said yourself. And I, I can't imagine how I would have dealt with that, you know, um, particularly going through my teenage years. I would have said I was a lot more, um, you know, I found my teenage years difficult anyway, you know, just just going through them and going through school and things like that. But I can't imagine how traumatic I would have found that. But yet you have come through it and turned that experience into something extremely positive. Um, but I imagine not everybody comes through it like that. Um, and from your experience, how has this affected other people that you know that you might know? Yeah, yeah. No, not everyone has, and it's totally understandable, and it makes me better than no one, quite frankly, because there are different experiences with racial racism, discrimination, and racial marginalization. Or marginalization, a lot of people, I think, felt for a very long time underlying resentment towards wider Irish society for the fact that their experiences of racism weren't necessarily accounted for properly, and when people try to speak up about it, uh, people will be told uh, you can't have any crack. You know, you're you're no fun. I'm not taking it seriously. I obviously, I'm a racist. I just move on and shrug it off. Um, just gaslighting, as people call it today, and demeaning mm. comments to undermine people's experiences and devalidate, invalidate rather, people's very real, torturous, in some, t- in some cases, experiences with racism. And it wasn't until, this is why the Black Lives Matter movement, although an American phenomenon, its exportation to Ireland was such a big deal and i can't emphasize this enough for many people from the black community here in ireland because it gave people an opportunity to speak about racism where ireland finally finally listened and it's sad that it came from the fact that a black person was killed in america and everyone interpreted that as a a racist incident and that the racial motivation there cannot be uh, um, undermined um because of that the racial association um drawn from the killing to blackness say People said, you know, racism is a bad thing and people wanted to talk about it here. The media paid attention. And then the black under underbelly of the country said, well, we we experience it too. And we want to talk about our experiences also. And once Ireland leaned over to lend its ear to those experiences, then the protests, just, there was an outpour of protests because people had so much to say. And I think people were so surprised that so much was to be said or was said by people here in Ireland about the negative experiences of racism. That came from the underlying resentment, the underlying feeling of exclusion. And our country needed to go through that phase in order for us to get to a place where there's symbiotic relationships between all people and people feel welcomed and as if they belong uh, on our in our, on our on our shores, in our country. So uh, there is resentment. But part of the work that I try to do with Black and Irish is to help 
people who might feel particular feelings um, of its exclusion realize that there's much for them to give to this country, despite the fact that they can sometimes feel neglected and excluded. And there are many people up and down the country of various backgrounds who want to see Ireland achieve a, a cooperative, you know, com um, uh, inclusive, symbiotic future. So it's it's a goal that's worth striving towards. Absolutely. Do you know uh, how Ireland fares perhaps versus other we'll just take as an example European countries um in terms of racism like what is the current state of affairs in this country that's a good question there was an EU survey I believe done I think that's how the data was collected maybe two years ago maybe more recently um maybe yeah maybe three three years ago I believe I'm not too sure when exactly and I think it ranked Ireland as the fourth uh, most racist country as per particular metrics in the EU so from that set of data, Ireland obviously is in a rather damning position. I don't know what the qualified racism, I don't know the specifics of that particular study. From stories um, told as and the politics coordinator of Black and Irish, a lot of people do experience racism and have bad experiences. On the flip side, a lot of people have a non-existent interaction with racism throughout their life. There's a lot of positive stories that have arisen, but it's, from my experience, outweighed by the negative experiences and the negative stories from people. So um, I don't necessarily think we're in a terrible place, but I definitely don't think we're in the best place. And I think one of the greatest hindrances that I'd like to emphasize to Ireland realizing the issue and trying to rectify it is the fact that I think there's a like a, a, like a not, not very much reference assumption that Irish people and, you know, Ireland has a gene that exempts it from being able to be racist because we have a history of racism with the UK because Irish people were classed as heathens, as barbaric, were written about in very crude ways in literature and in scientific journals. People assume that Irish people just can't be racist because how could we face colonialism and everything that those ethnic mm. minority groups are complaining about? But I think instead we need to flip our interpretation and see our history as something that mandates us to stand up and try our best to stand with those who are in need and who need us mm. to uh, tackle racism uh, with them. Um, so I think we need to see our Irishness as something that pushes us um, and strikes rather, uh, give, gives birth to an, an impetus to push us to try our best to tackle racism in all its forms, particularly within our country. Um, so yes, this is what I propose. I think this is what we need to try and rally around. And we, we hear this sentiment a lot now about to be how to be Irish means to stand with those who are mistreated. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I don't know how to put this. This uh, you you speak so eloquently. I don't know how to put this as eloquently as 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 you do. But um, I was chatting to um another podcast guest, Anthony Murphy. Um, which this podcast will either be released before or after yours. I'm not sure yet. But um, he's an expert in ancient Ireland and mythical Ireland. And we were talking about Newgrange. We were talking about, essentially, we were talking about the people who lived in Ireland 5,000 years ago. And, you know, based off genetic studies, um, we're able to identify that around 5,000 years ago or whatever date it was specifically, I can't remember, this group of people called the Beaker people, they were called, right? Um came from kind of European Asia that kind of part of the world and essentially migrated to Ireland and the people who were here before that um would have been a very different type of people um they were said to have very dark skin um 
kind of olive green eyes um, versus these beaker people who might look a little bit more like me. They were kind of a bit taller, more fair skin. And I think the, the, the great majority of our genetics or the majority of Irish people's genetics come from these people. But at this point in history, you know, Ireland as a concept didn't even exist. And does the, these were these beaker, beaker people Irish or the people before them Irish at this? I, I just kind of think in terms of history, everything is transitioning. And for me to call myself Irish versus anybody else, it's all just a bit of a made up story. <laughs> I think, as you say, what we're looking for is just a tolerance and acceptance and embracing of the people who are currently on this island in this moment. In Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Time. Does that make sense? It doesn't matter your genetics, where you come from, your skin color. We're sharing this island now in this moment and we have to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. No, that's really well put. Really, really yeah. well put. I think that's that was, yeah, that that was a very accurate analysis of history. And I think it really what you said points to the need not to establish arbitrary criteria to define one as Irish or one not as Irish, because um, it can be blown into smithereens just with a few questions. You know, the 1916 rising, a historical event that we all laud and praise uh, for what it helped our country to become wasn't supported by every Irish person up and down the country. Are they not Irish because they didn't support the rising that led to uh, the the freedom of Ireland? Um, I don't think anyone could. It'd be very hard to establish a strong Ireland uh, argument to that effect, per se, because they have the reasons. So to be Irish isn't to be homogeneous. To be Irish should be to be different. And the United States of America uh, the, the, one of the prevailing um, uh, quotes that they live by is e pluribus unum, from many, one. So it speaks to the power of diversity and what we what we can get from embracing modern Ireland's composition for the things that it can provide. And we see it in our sports, you know, we see it in medicine, we see it in law, we, we see it in music in particular, we see it in the arts. We mm. see what modern Ireland can contribute to the development of this country, but to the development of our image on the world stage. So why create arbitrary definitions that close the gap for people to enter into Irishhood and Irishness. Um, I don't think there's a solid argument for it. And I think we pay the cost if we limit ourselves to such arbitrary metrics. Yeah. And despite all of that, you know what? It's just so much more interesting. 
you know who wants who, who wants to be having the same conversations with the same type of people all the time that is just incredibly boring the same type of jokes you know what i want somebody who can kind of change my perception on something who's got a different cultural background but lives in the same place and we can have an interesting conversation about something that might have before seemed totally boring or whatever and yeah. um, tell, tell me a little bit about the the black and irish community of course yeah, super. And uh, um, yes, uh, happily, um, it's particularly because I, I work with an organization called Black and Irish, and um, yeah. I can explain a bit about Black and Irish, and then offshoot that by explaining a bit about the community and our interactions with them, maybe. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So after George Floyd passed, uh, rather was murdered in the United States of America. Uh, as I said, many conversations we had about racism in Ireland. When we talked about racism, we acted as if it was only an American issue. And a group of guys, Leon, Bonnie and Femi said, no, Ireland, let's hold up a mirror to ourselves and recognize that people within our country experience racism. So the guys just started sharing stories from black and Irish people, demonstrating how some people have experienced racism, but people have also had very positive experiences within Ireland and are proud to be Irish. And they class themselves as Irish, despite the fact that their race sometimes have had people see them as non-Irish individuals. And that took on a lot of um traction uh, grew legs and it gained a lot of recognition on social media thousands of followers amassed in the space of weeks and now we're at a position where we have approximately fifty-five thousand followers because of that message that narrative that was pushed initially that it's possible to be both irish and black uh and it speaks to the power of simply stating the fact that dual identity is possible and back to the idea of us remembering our history as, as irish people in America, there's an Irish-American community. In Nigeria, in fact, there's an Irish-Nigerian community, though they may not be fully immersed per se. Uh, some communities of Irish people are, some aren't. Uh, but across the world, I Irish people have been able to establish a foothold in particular nations whilst embracing their unique Irishness. So here, when people try to attempt that, we shouldn't act as if it's a foreign concept to us. But instead, we should just invoke our history and remember that communities should be allowed to do as we did. And as you said, reap the rewards that that brings for us. Irish Americans brought so, so much to America. People say the Irish built America, but ethnic communities are trying to settle here in Ireland and embrace their Irishness as we have our Americanness in that context. Uh, so why not embrace it, um, allow them to embrace it? But um, yeah, lots is being done black and Irish wise. We work in different sectors, so politics, and I'm the politics coordinator. There we want to try and promote political education to black Irish people to let them know what's going on. Uh, in political sphere, but also to try and encourage people to get involved in politics, particularly by way of voting. So we have an, a lot of initiatives that we're planning, but also running for election. People want to run for election because you recognize that policies, law creation um, and political discourse has such a huge cultural sway within the country and also a sway, of, of course, when it comes to the infrastructure of the nature, nation. So having a representative voice for not only Black Irish community, so that's what we emphasize in particular, all uh, communities in, in the country is ideal for all of us. Uh, business, we work with Black Irish businesses to let them know of opportunities out there and to highlight their work. We do work with uh, musicians as well. That's huh, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Musicians, the arts. Um, we have different events that we're planning towards. The big one is like a BIG Awards that we do at the end of every year. We've only had two so far, but they've been roaring successes. And the point is just to say Ireland, this is the talent of the Black Irish community across various sectors that we work in. It's time for us to allow them to integrate into the mainstream and for Ireland to recognize this talent. So in terms of the community, um, I think the census revealed that there was an uptake 
in black and Irish numbers in the in in the country. There's more people also um, embracing dual identity, so holding more than one citizenship. So um, mm -hmm. it's it's pointing towards a lot of changes in terms of the composition of Ireland. Um, as I said, black Irish people that I've, that, I've, that I've interacted with, though some are able to point to negative experiences with racism, discrimination, exclusion, many are very proud to be Irish. So um, there's a burgeoning community here. And I think with all the burgeoning communities emerging in Ireland, we as a people, as Irish people, need to embrace it. Hmm. Are politicians listening? That's a great question. Some, in my experiences, some are. Um, I think we, we benefit from the fact that here in Ireland, politicians aren't as ideologically motivated as, say, in the UK or in the United States of America. A lot of what I've said in this podcast, some politicians in different countries would say it's just woke bile and, you know, the woke young yeah. are trying to <laughs> indoctrinate us and make us embrace diversity and woomty womty. But here in Ireland, <laughs> I think we have a just a cop on policy sometimes where, if you're talking rubbish, just get out and you're not making any sense. Just speak in plain language and be honest about what's happening. And I think it's clear to see that there are challenges the community faces. Um, I don't think Irish politics is in a place yet where the niche, the niche perspectives within the community are properly accounted for. For example, a perfect example is the killing of George and Kensho by Ungarda Shiakona, members of Ungarda Shiakona. A lot of people looked at the, and I, I looked at Twitter and I was just taken aback. I was dismayed by the response from like civil Ireland, a lot of people in the media and politicians who said, if you look at the facts of the case and what this young man said was doing prior to his, his death, the response was warranted by Ungarda Shirkona. Then meanwhile, in my household, my mother, who is, who's barely cried in front of me throughout my life, I think I've seen her cry two times. One of the two times I've seen her cry was after George and Kento died because African mothers saw their son in Georgia Kencho. I saw a brother in Georgia Kencho. The community was hit in a way that wider Ireland can't necessarily understand. And though people on Twitter try to dismiss that as being irrational, you simply wouldn't know unless you sat down with someone from that community and tried to understand how they would interpret this. And this is one of the challenges that come with comes with diversity, various interpretations of particular phenomena. When on the door of particular pubs it said no blacks, no dogs, no Irish. Clearly, the wider American establishment had no problem with that sign because they had particular assumptions about Irish people. It wasn't until the Irish broke into politics proper and the Irish voice was heard, generally speaking, in, in America, that their perspective and paradigm was accounted for. And Ireland, I think, needs to get to that place so that everyone's perspective is accounted for. And we can have conversations that are difficult to come to conclusions that may involve compromise, but that better benefit all of us. And I see no politicians really talking about this nuance and you know black lives matter after that emerged every politician saw the like cultural clout to be like woke and racism is bad and yeah fist in the sky <laughs> so like that mm. so we, we need to be bravery it needs to be courage it needs to be more motivation it can't be a reaction to the times it's good to react to the times not react to the times but to respond to the times in a sustaining way not to just react to the times for like political clout and to get some votes and stuff and i think the reactions are going to come more as ethnic minority communities become more enfranchised. And I'm excited to see that. They talk about like the black vote in America. And although I'm very critical of that idea, especially I don't want to import it to Ireland because it assumes that black people like are homogeneous and like have the same political interests, which is silly because everyone's an Voice individual. Not, yeah. But but I, I look forward to seeing how politicians respond to the political power being amassed by minority communities in Ireland. 
do you see yourself as a as a representative as as a voice for the the black and irish community here perhaps in a more political field further in your in in your career or or what does it look like for your future people say that people are like oh eric you i'm sure you're going to get involved in politics and stuff but you'd you'd, you'd be lying if you said you didn't think about it but then at the same time there's just a lot about politicians you know they're like typical answers where you ask a question and they give a roundabout answer and, and because i know politics i sympathize with it to a certain extent because you have the party whip you have to appease to and then the lying uh, in election times and <laughs> i can see it in your eyes <laughs> yeah you know what is um i i recently my my first experience with a politician was when i was well, i can't remember what age um and yeah i grew up in 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 dublin and i remember our local politician he brought us in to see the doll i, I can't remember what age. i must have been like 10 right i can't remember what age i was like very at an age where you could have said that uh dogs can fly and i would have believed you um so he brought us in to see the doll and actually i know exactly when it was because i remember i don't know if you've ever been in to see the the doll but there's like a like an upper um window that you can look down at the politicians who are um in parliament at the time and i remember they looked up at us a school and we at the time we were wearing a red jumper red uniforms and they made a joke about it because manchester united had just won the treble the night before so it must have been 1999 uh, so we're going back a little bit um yeah. i don't know i don't know how i can remember that specific memory but anyway c- came to my mind and um anyway at the end of the tour i remember he gave us these keyrings and on the keyring was his name and on the back was a nike tick um with the phrase just doing it on the <laughs> on the on the keyring um which you know, there's all sorts of copyright issues there um and <laughs> i won't name any names but this particular um politician ended up in prison um not about 10 years later for for corruption essentially um so this was my first interaction with a politician i switched on the radio recently enough and they were talking about they were talking about the immigration issue um and it was i think it was pascal dunn who was speaking and i was really disappointed i was just disappointed i haven't he was asked a very basic question and he gave just a really generic as you said a roundabout answer and i just felt come on man you are you are better than that we deserve better than that the question's not that difficult just just be a human being please and when you said the party whip and everything fuck off like it's (laughs) i just feel like these people have so much power they we we, we, they really have an obligation to be more human and and all of these types of things and anyway um and that's kind of me going off on 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 my rant but you you speak speak so well um so it would be shame yeah not not that it would be a shame but like I'm sure that you could do anything that you wanted, but at least if you could be a voice for this community, that would be like really fantastic. Thank you so much. And I think hopefully as we develop as a country, a lot of people from ethnic minority communities that try to, by way of activism in terms of the overt activism that we see on Instagram or whatever, or and, and community involvement, 
or the type of activism that's very subtle and benign and tidy towns and getting involved in the local community and volunteering with particular youth groups. Hopefully we see more people from ethnic minority communities, but generally speaking from unidentified communities in Ireland often step up to the fore and be leaders and voices, not only for the communities that they come from, but also the country, but with their unique perspective, because I think we need more ideas and fresh perspectives that are often excluded in, in politics at the at the table, especially because when you switch on the weekend politics, though I love the show and Anya, the, the host in particular, it's the same tone, the same guys in suits and same rhetoric, the same everything. <laughs> we just mm. need something to shake it up a bit and to reflect actual Ireland um, there. So uh, thank you for your compliments. Your qualms with politics are my qualms with politics. It's, it's the reason that makes the reason that makes the area somewhat unappealing. But I, I've thought about it. And look, how, how I put it when people ask me is that all of my heroes and inspirations from Martin Luther King Jr. to Malcolm X weren't politicians. They weren't politicians yet. Their voice had such an incredible incise political impact and influence political impact. Uh, why? Partly because of their conviction, their principle, but also the freedom that they had to roam freely in the political sphere. Politicians actually responded to a lot of what they said, particularly Martin Luther King Jr. by way of the civil rights movement. A lot of the initiatives he led, politicians responded to to pass laws because they saw it in their political interest. Because at the end of the day, if we're going to put it as crudely as possible, being a politician is a job. <laughs> You're paid to yeah. be in parliament and election time. That's like your boss saying, hey, you get the job. That's your interview for the job. And I don't want to see it that way, particularly if I was involved, I certainly wouldn't. But to maintain my job, I have to speak to the wind of the day. And the wind of the day in King's time was civil rights, voting rights act, the Road Voting Rights Act, voting rights for black people and equal rights and non-discrimination. So right now I'm enjoying the freedom I have, say with black and Irish, to really just speak as I like the particular issues that I see. Um, and if at a particular time the universe or God says, Eric, the best vehicle for you to enact positive change for your community is politics, then maybe I have to hop out this vehicle and jump into that car and drive it. But I think we're, we're far away from that right now. So uh, I'm just mm -hmm. trying my best where, where I'm based. For the time being, you see the the greatest vehicle towards a positive change as being um, education. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Education, bringing people together, allowing each other to see our common humanity, um, realizing pe people are people, and this is—it's all stems back to Longford. It's why I love Longford so much. You know, I again, I grew up, uh, Mark, just. The, the comments that are made to many black people are vile by people that, that are our age groups in primary school and they obviously get it from their parents but through interacting with people who are black I witness people change people who I'd now talk to if I go back to Longford without an issue their, their perspectives change through interaction and understanding and the enlightening effect that seeing someone face to face and realizing that they're more like you than they are different from you can have so uh, I, I'm a massive advocate for that. And a lot of other things need to be done too. So I'm the politics coordinator of Black and Irish. Government has a huge responsibility to facilitate spaces where interactions can happen, but also to try to sanction conduct that can be less than positive, that can be detrimental to the type of progress that we want to see too. So there's much to be done. Polit politicians need to set the cultural environment by answering the type of questions that Pascal Dunahu was asked with more firmness and with more conviction, regardless of political consequences, knowing that you're here to represent the country. That's a huge responsibility. You want a better future for this country when you're dead. And so right now, as you're alive, with the few breaths that we have whilst we're alive, because it's a short life, 
try your best to lead with conviction yeah. and bring out about a better day. So it's education, but it's also political conviction and leadership and lots from people who are decision makers in this country. Yeah. Yeah, and possibly, you know, what I'm getting from this conversation is it's the creation of of diverse and inclusive communities. Um, I'm not saying that we've we've we passed a hurdle like this before, but you know, I'm I'm thinking to an episode of Derry Girls, which I watched before, but it was you know, it's it's obviously a comedy, but um reflected certain aspects of society at the time. And the girls were asked to write down on a piece of paper things that they might have in common with Protestants and vice versa. And there was a comment. I was like, I literally can't think of anything. (laughs) And and obviously it was it was comedic. But at the same time, it's it's funny because people to a certain extent thought that that was almost true. It's like those other other people. It's that other, isn't it? Whereas, you know, through through work through the building of community, through the efforts of people, you know, particularly in the North, that has not disappeared, but it has gotten so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously, you know, people would be able to very easily answer that type of question these days. So there's been progress made there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no reason why something like that, progress like that can't be made uh, again in, in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric, how can we uh, keep up to date with, everything that you're doing and um, where should we follow you or um, things like that? Yeah. Thank you so much for the question, Mark. Um, so I have a YouTube page called Eragosa and typically on YouTube, I interview interesting people about particular social questions that I find fascinating. My last two posts have been a stand-up comedy gig that I did a couple of months ago to attempt to, as you can see, I would love a comedy. I actually spoke to Sean briefly about it. I'm not Sean or Yosa now, but <laughs> uh, I give it a go just for the crack. And aside from that, uh, my friend and I actually put our mind together and we made a, a little song for ourselves. We made a song for our community to inspire young people to try and dream big. And again, I, I'm no Tupac or Biggie, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I gave the rap thing a go. But I think my, my stints with that are done. And, and now I'm going to get back to kind of the bulk of the type of content that I create. Aside from YouTube, I have a podcast with a friend called the Political Incorrectors Podcast. All we try to do is talk current affairs and Irish politics, but in a way accessible to young people. Because as I said, it's the same people who are very monitor and i don't mean to show any disrespect to anybody in fact um, those people are very important everybody's important leads leads political discourse in the country but it's quite monotone and it's not reflective of ireland so we try to add a youth paradigm to political uh, conversation and interpret things in a way that's accessible to young people so the political incorrectors i'd recommend it then on instagram that's where you can find me mainly at eric.ahige and i'd recommend everyone engage with black and irish as well to see the work that we do there Eric, thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.